Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Janelle B. Stewart podcast. I am your host, Janelle B. Stewart, an award-winning beauty editor. The Janelle B. Stewart podcast is a weekly lifestyle podcast designed to educate, empower, and engage. Episodes touch on various topics of our lives, including health and fitness, love and marriage, entrepreneurship, parenting, self-love, and much more. My goal is to have you feeling uplifted and inspired after you listen to each episode. Welcome to episode 36. Finally, finally, finally. I have finally, finally come to the final episode of my mental health podcast series. Yay! Yay! The crowd goes wild. Everyone's excited. So we're at the final episode in episode 35, the previous episode. I talked about what my first um, therapy session was like. And um, I got a lot of great feedback about that. Um, I did get messages on social media mainly from women saying, wow, it seems pretty simple, Um, especially for those who were feeling like maybe going to therapy was a little bit challenging um, or would be hard. Um, And I don't want to say that going to therapy isn't going to be hard for everyone. Um, But if you do go, obviously... Your experience could be different from mine, but I didn't find it to be the type of experience that was um, gut-wrenching, right, for me. It wasn't like that for me. Um, I also got people who laughed and said, you know what, I would need a couch too. So if if you can understand and relate to that, then you get it. You need a couch. So the question about do I still need therapy, am I healed now, is one that I think people um, ask because they don't really see therapy as a ongoing thing. Like, this is the problem. You went to get help. Problem solved. You don't need help anymore. And um, I'm sure that there are cases where someone might be able to go to therapy for a very short amount of time and then they could stop. Like, think of like marriage counseling, right? You don't go forever and ever and ever you go when you hit a rough patch or you can go to help get you through some hard times and um or to get a unbiased opinion about something and then you can stop um but for me I actually decided to continue to go to therapy so to answer the question am I healed short answer is no and um I'm not gonna ever be a perfect mother Am I still yelling and screaming to the top of my lungs? Most of the time, no. So before, it was a every single day. It was pretty consistent that I was going to lose my shit and I would be screaming and yelling at my son. That was a consistent thing. Now, I I don't have that anymore. I'm not doing that all the time. And in fact, one of the things that really stood out to me when I... um when I really noticed like I was making great strides with therapy, it was the anger behind the yell was different. Like before the anger behind the yell was I'm so effing pissed, 
right? And I would approach it from this perspective of I'm so mad, like you're just, you're just, I was just, I was just insane. Um, and there was a lot of anger behind it, like built up aggression, I guess you could say. Now, if I do yell or speak loudly to my children, that isn't behind it anymore. Like it doesn't exhaust me to like make noise and yell at them. Whereas before it would take all my energy out of me and I would feel exhausted. I would feel like I was gonna burst a bubble. I, could, I would feel like I was gonna have an aneurysm. And now I don't have that. So I can talk to my son and tell him to do something and I can be really calm. Um, I'm, it's a lot easier for me to say things to him in a calm voice. So I can say, Joel, go and do such and such. And I can say it again three or four times and not like spaz. But when I do get to the point where I am really raising my voice because he's really not listening, there isn't any anger behind it. I'm not like out for the kill. I'm just speaking firm because I know that it will make him move, right? But not angry. So there's that. My son and I have a much better relationship and we also have a better friendship. Um, I know depending on like what school of thought you're from, kids and their parents can't be friends. And I can totally respect that because I um I can see for sure how that would cause problems when it comes to their respect for you and for you being able to be seen as an authority, um, for you to discipline them um, or to elicit um punishments or consequences depending on how you say it if you and your children are friends then that really you really do lose the upper hand in terms of reverence Um, but I can also see the value in being a friend to your child in that they have the ability to recognize you as someone they can come to with simple things and it's not just um Um, You take care of them and that's all they need from you, but they can come to you to talk. They can come to you to laugh. They can come share a joke. You guys can go out and have fun. And I consider that like being friendly, being friends with your kids. And I would hope that we can have that when we grow up. So we definitely have a much better relationship. And um, from him to me, he's also a little bit more open. So my son isn't the most affectionate person. So I wouldn't even use that word like he's not the most affectionate he's he's not the most forthcoming with affection maybe that's how I should say it so he'll give a hug he'll receive a hug he'll give a kiss he'll receive a kiss but he's not actively looking for those things throughout his day whereas my daughter's that way like she'll make sure she comes over to hug you kiss you stroke you lay on you cuddle with you if we're watching a movie Elle is going to come closer to me to snuggle up under me get under my blanket nestle her head on my shoulder or my lap or whatever and Joel is comfortable with just being nearby that's it he's fine with that so we are a lot more um, we're, we're more calmer, me and him. Um, he doesn't get mad at me cause I'm not getting crazy with him. And, um, he's not doing all that great. I wouldn't say he's doing all that great in terms of, is he better? Is like, if you were wondering, like, is he better because I'm better? Um, he still doesn't really pay attention a lot. He's still very distracted. My, um, my husband and my mom, 
they are, uh, you know, available here now. They are helping more often. So that also makes it easier for me to be a better mom because I'm not responsible for everything. I'm not the only one disciplining and, um, you know, giving out consequences. I'm not the only one affirming. I'm not the only one taking him or and her out. I'm not the only one doing all of it while the other person's at work. I have a team now. My mom and my husband are both home. So with that being said, it's a lot easier for me to not always have to be responsible for the things that he needs. And as a result, I don't always have to deal with the fact that he's distracted or not paying attention. Um, but I do see it in my fa- in my family. You know, my husband, my mom, from time to time, they will say, I'll hear them say things in frustration with him. So I know like, you know, that he's still giving the problems, but they're a lot more patient and tolerant. So he doesn't get it like how I was giving it before, even when they are mad, which is great. It's great for him. Um, but, you know, a lot of the things that I said in the last episode when I had explained that I just had to come to terms and accept certain things, you know, I'm not looking at my son to be um, 100% a new person because I went to therapy um, or because I'm not yelling anymore or whatever. I don't really expect that. I don't think that that would be fair. Right. He needs to he needs to mature. He needs to grow like all of those things are going to happen. And in his own time, hopefully there will be changes that positively reflect some of the characteristics that, you know, we would want for our children, like not being distracted when someone's giving you a task and being able to handle two or three tasks at a time and not needing like one thing at a time, Um, being able to move really quickly and transition from activity to activity easily and not have to always have someone repeat it to you three times and then you finally decide, okay, I'm ready to do it. You know, those are some of the issues that I've had with him and I'm hoping that I won't have to continue to have those as he get, as he as he grows. He is a child and you know the way that I talk about my son in the beginning of this podcast series, you know, expressing how I felt about him in the very beginning going back to that place where I was a year or two years ago is not how I am anymore. Right. Um, so I'm definitely a lot more respectful of him being his own independent independent person. I do tell a lot of parents that I meet that I recognize <clears throat> that what I experience in my son is what a lot of people experience in their kids. So a very common conversation that I have with moms when we're getting together and we're talking about mommying and we're talking about children and we're talking about husbands and everything is that it seems like a lot of moms have one child that's very similar to how I've described my son. And I've had this conversation online as well with many of you that are listening here that have taken the time to message me. And what I've learned, and I don't know if this is in fact a science, but in the little bit of people who I've come in contact with, you know, maybe let's say like 20 people that I've spoken to in person as I meet people out and about at my kids' activities, at the school, at church, and then of course the however many of you that I speak to online, what I've noticed from my small little case study is that every mom has a child who they have a similar type of relationship with. And I've learned that that child is usually the first. So I, like I said, I can't say that this is a science and, um, 
I've not done enough case studies. I've not gone out and interviewed enough people and, you know, discussed this to say like I've done extensive research, but it just seems like for a lot of people, the first child is the child that the moms that I've communicated with are having this issue with. And it's a little bit different when the first child is the only child, which means clearly there's only one. However, when the first child is a few years older or even um, if, a, if the first child is a few years older than the first, um, the second, sorry, I'm stumbling all over my words. So, and I've, so it does, this, this is not the case when there's only one child, then in most situations that one child tends to be, it's, it's, it's hit or mix. They, they could have been that way or they couldn't have been that, they weren't that way. But when I speak to moms who have a second child that's relatively close in age, um, you know, two years, three years, four years, five years, then they usually say that that's the case with, with their um, older child. And I found that to be so odd because it was across gender. Like it didn't matter if the first child was a girl or a boy, um, which is something that people have said to me and my family when I discussed this issue. They would say that the reason why I was experiencing this is because my son's a boy and my daughter's a girl. So like I can't expect that from, you know, a man or whatever. But when I meet moms that have daughters who are the first child of like two or three or four, whatever, they also describe the first child being like this there were I think there was like one occasion where one of the moms who I was talking to said her middle child was that way um, of three or like the lower of the middle of the four kids Um, but for the most part like when I talk to people about it and I say like I think it's a first child thing a lot of people go to the part of their brain where they try to remember their childhood and their siblings and they're like yeah Yeah. So I can't say, like I said, I haven't done any research. I don't have any case studies, but I've just spoken to a lot of people. And in if I spoke to 10 people right now who had two children, who had three children, I am probably I'm pretty confident that majority. So not just 50 percent, but like 70 percent would probably agree with me that their older child is the one that presents these types of things. Um, And I can also say that additionally, the moms are also have very similar sentiment to me. We feel like horrible parents. Um, We really do. It's not something that we're proud of. It's not something that we even want to talk about. Um, And I feel like because I'm so open with my conversation about mental health now, now especially that I've like gone through this, I feel a little bit more open and I feel a little bit more safe with how people will hear my story. Um, I know I know at one point in time, if I would have ever told someone that I was acting that way, I would be so embarrassed. And if you remember my episode where I talked about um, why I needed therapy, which is um, episode 31, you, you'll you understand. And um, and also episode 32, um, I talk about that and I talk about that embarrassment. So now that I've gone through it and I am no longer a momster, well, not all the time, you know, she comes out here and there, I feel a little bit easier to having these conversations with moms. And then as a result, they were able to like open up and talk with me and share with me. And I love that. Um, so am I healed? Kind of going back to the original question, I would say I'm much better. I'm much better. I'm not 
I'm not healed in the sense of I'm always going to make the right decisions, but momster, dealing with momster most mornings is not something that happens. Um, I do relapse. I can actually say that I was just, it just popped in my head. I've had some moments of relapse where I went ballistic. And like I said, the difference between me yelling at my son and speaking loudly because I'm trying to get his attention and I've literally like, I've exhausted all options for like what I'm trying to do. And so I'm having my own adult hand. The difference is when I do that and I and I lose myself or I or as I'm describing it relapse, I feel an anger behind what I'm saying. And I just I I don't know if you have ever thought about that, but like, how does it feel when you say it? Like, are you pissed or are you just like, listen to me? I'm trying to get you to listen to me. And that's the difference is I don't. Um, typically feel pissed. I just want him to listen to me. And I've had a couple moments where I was like, oh, I'm so mad. Like I was so flipping mad. And that's how I knew like I was having a relapse because I was taking it so personally. And there's really no reason, reason to do that. So do I still need therapy? To be honest, I would probably say, no, I don't need it. However, I also want to say, it is absolutely important to me that I maintain it and I keep going because my therapist and I don't just talk about my son anymore. In fact, most of my sessions since I started going have not been about my son. So let's say, for example, I was going to therapy every week in the beginning So like that first year I would go, I went every week in April, every week in May, every week in June, and then I started going less frequently. And then those less frequent video um, visits were me talking about work, were me talking about my marriage, were me talking about my health, were me talking about my weight, you know? talking about relationships with other people, my friends, my mom. So I've actually benefited greatly from maintaining my therapy sessions because I can go and I can talk about anything that's going on with me and just let it let it out versus having to harbor those things and they could fester and they could grow and they could be something that I don't want them to be. They could trickle into other parts of my relationship with my son you never know if I'm having a crazy week at with with my job and I'm overwhelmed and I don't have an outlet to talk about that. It could be that I could like take it out on him or my daughter. Um, yeah, like I could take it out on my son. I could take it out on my daughter. I could take it, out, take it out on my husband. I could take it out on my mom. You know, I could take it out on my work. I could take it out on myself by not taking care of myself because I go into like a dark place or something like that. So we talk about a lot of different things um, and I do benefit greatly from continuing my therapy sessions and I look forward to them. Now I'm going twice a week, uh, twice a month, I'm sorry, during this past summer, 2019, I didn't go at all. We just like took a break because it was a lot of, lot more challenging to find a time that could work for both of us. And so I took a break for the summer, but now I'm back going every two weeks and I look forward to them. So I wouldn't say I'm healed like 100%. Like there's still a little bit of it going to always be there because I'm human and I am going to have experiences and I and I do have feelings and being a parent is not easy. Um, but my, I look at my therapist as a part of my like self-care 
um, treatment. She's a part of my wellness routine. Just like you go get to a doctor to check up on yourself, I go to my therapist to check up on my mental health and my mental wellness. And um, she's very important to me. And if I ever am not able to go, you know, regularly, like the summertime, when I go back, I have so much to share and it feels so good to just get it all out. So yeah, that's the end of my mental health podcast series. The episodes, if you missed them, were episodes 31 through this episode, 36. Um, Definitely check them all out and give yourself um, some time to go through them. And of course, if you ever have any questions about anything, you can always message me um, on Instagram or Twitter. I love Twitter. I'm always there on Twitter. Um, And of course, you know, you can email me at podcast at JanelleBStewart.com. Um, and, uh, you know, your, your input is valuable to me. Your feedback is valuable to me. And I would love, 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 love if you could take the time to give me a review. If you've already reviewed my podcast, I don't believe you can review again. Um, but if you are on Apple music or if you have the podcast app and you've never reviewed my podcast before, please take a second to go and leave me a review, leave an honest review. Five stars, please, (laughs) but that's okay if it's not. Whatever it is, leave me an honest review and feel free to talk about the podcast series if this is something, this mental health series really touched you or moved you or you just want to share a general overall um, comment about how you feel about my podcast. That works too. I just really appreciate the feedback and learning what people are looking for and what they need. 